0: It's about how hard you hit, it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. To infinity and beyond! Some people without brains do an
1: awful lot of talking, don't they? It's classified. You talking to me? I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you.
0: I can't lie! Expecto Patronum! Entertainment X.
1: You never know what you're going to get.
0: For this episode, I sit down and chat with Sue Frost. She's one of the founding creators of Junkyard Dog Productions. They've produced Broadway productions such as Memphis and Come From Away. We talk about all of that and more. Her upbringing, her thoughts behind production and human communication and her life path. It's really a wonderful, wide-ranging, winding conversation that I hope you enjoy as much as I did having the conversation with Sue. So keep on keeping on. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me is Sue Frost. Sue, thank you for inviting me into your workspace here in the lovely Times Square Paramount Pictures building.
1: It's great to have you here.
0: This is fun. We're going to have a, a wide ranging conversation. Sure. About everything. Okay. Thus far in well,
1: time. good luck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank you um let's take it back to the beginning of time okay pursue what were your theater dreams growing up
1: it's so funny i don't know that i had theater dreams growing up i um i think i i discovered theater as a kid um i was um, I got the lead in the girl scout play because i think i was the only person who could remember all the lines ah. and um i had such an amazing time with an audience and i thought, well, this is what I want to do. So I mostly concentrated on acting as a kid. Uh, drama class, drama um, club really kind of saved me in, uh, in high school in terms of m- finding a place that where I belonged. Yeah. I think that's that's a typical story for a lot of kids who aren't necessarily... Uh, into sports or you know the the popular kids. I was um, right. always a yeah. bit of an oddball, you know, and so I found theater and I had a fantastic time.
0: What was your transition then from performing to? not performing. To not performing. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, I think part of performing was I didn't know there was anything else. Okay. Uh, when I was in college, I was a, a, a theater major with a concentration in acting. My advisor gave me very good advice very early on. He said, as a performer, you shouldn't just focus on performing. You should absorb as much as you can about everything to do with theater. And even beyond that, um, you know, paintings and music and all those different things. Don't, don't be so focused so early on. Um, I also spent summers working at the Berkshire Theater Festival, Mm. not as an actor, but in admin, uh, simply because I needed to work to make money. Yeah. And so those jobs led me to relationships that got me jobs here in New York when I graduated from college. And they were, they were management jobs. They were not acting jobs. And I realized fairly early on, even though I had come to New York to pursue an acting career, Mm. that I wasn't really cut out for it, um. I was doing all the character roles at school, so I knew it'd be <laughs> okay. another 20 years before I was going to actually be a character actress. Right. And I was not, I just wasn't driven in that way. Yeah. Um, but I was driven to stay in theater. So those management jobs led to becoming a um, company manager apprentice and then ultimately a company manager. And uh,
0: yeah. Wow. What did, your, what did your parents teach you about you know, work ethic?
1: You know, my parents uh, uh, they they never put limits on me. They they never um, t- tried to point me in any one direction. I don't think they understood what I was interested in. We were not an artsy family. You know, <laughs> my dad was a, a plumber who became a plumbing and heating salesman. My mom was a housewife who became a telephone operator. We did not go to the theater. I went uh, went to the theater through school, but it was not something that we did as a family. So. Yeah. Um, but my uh, hard workers, um, salt of the earth people. You Mm. know, you don't, you don't, uh, flinch away from the hard stuff. All of those good lessons, I think. Yeah. And always very, very supportive of what I did.
0: Was there? I'm just curious. That's such a great piece of advice. Don't flinch away from the hard stuff. Mm. Was there a moment in time where you learned that? Well, I think there are ongoing moments in time where you learn
1: that. Do you know? And you have to kind of tell yourself, even if you flinch away. Don't, don't run away mm. um, and, and face all that stuff.
0: Yeah. yeah. What, was the, um, what was the deciding factor to kind of continue this as like a living, you know, after? Well, you know, other than working <laughs> in a
1: grocery store <laughs> in high school yeah. and uh, as a librarian's assistant, I have never done anything else than theater. I've never earned a dime any other way. So I think it was just something that even though I wasn't necessarily sure what i was going to do or where i was going to fit into the landscape i yeah. knew that as a as an industry or as a vocation it was something that i was i was crazy about and wasn't particularly interested in anything else
0: okay and then so and i read a little bit um we'll talk about junkyard dog productions sure. and we're going to cover all of it um but and please fill in any spots that i might be missing but was company managing your first kind of like
1: no, I mean, I fell into it, honestly. And really? and no, but because when I was coming to New York and th- folks that I had worked with at the Berkshire Theater Festival pointed me to jobs, and then um, Charlie Willard, who was a mentor of mine, was the company manager of a tour of A Course Line, and he asked me to come out as his assistant. Um, I can't say that I woke up one morning and said, I'm going to be a company manager. It's just a job that was offered to me. Yeah, uh, I, And I had a great time. I was on the road for a year. I learned a lot. Um, I came back and and uh, I worked in Marvin Krause's office. And working in Marvin's office at that time was very exciting and fun. He had a lot of a lot of projects. I worked with a lot of people who are uh, are still in this business, leaders in this business now. And um then I then I just I- it seemed natural to focus on company management because I was doing that's the work I was doing. Of course. But um after I had closed the rink on Broadway as a company manager I thought you know I don't think it's ever gonna be this much fun again I think you know that was a show that was such a highlight for me career wise and I I wasn't necessarily in love with all of the company management work but I was in love with being part of the company so Mm -hmm. so I so I just decided it was time to take a break and I stopped company managing and just really just stopped working for a few months, went home to Rhode Island and um, thought about what I wanted to do.
0: Company managing yes. and producing. yes. How have you gotten better at human communication, communicating with others?
1: Um, you know, I think, uh, I think you have to constantly remind yourself uh, th- this is a people business. It's never yes. going to not be a people business, right? <laughs> and as much as you sit there at your desk, sort of sucked into your email, there are things that will never be solved, or or uh, issues that will never be settled if you don't uh, approach them head on, person to person. Mm-hmm. And and over time, I mean, obviously, I'm I'm old, you know. Yeah. I I I predate email. You know, I I come from a world where you had a Rolodex and you uh-huh. picked up the phone and you called people and that's yeah. what you did. And you were on the phone all day. Yeah. And, and, and part of me misses that, you know, because there are times when I'm going back and forth on an email. I'm like, why am I doing this? Pick up the phone, solve it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think there is always that lesson to be learned that, that um, human contact, direct contact. I mean, it's why I think people go to the theater it yeah. is, there's nothing between them and what's happening on stage. You're not looking at a screen, you're not listening to something through earbuds, you're actually experiencing it. So yeah. so as far as what I've learned in terms of communication, let's go back to that don't flinch away. Yeah. There are times when you have to make hard decisions and you have to have hard conversations and you can't leave those as a producer, mm. and often as a company manager, you couldn't really leave those to somebody else, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah. I am not a person who enjoys conflict. I, I avoid it at all costs. But there are times when you have to, you know, have to, have to have the tough talk. And that's, I think I've learned more than anything, is when when you think you can defer it and give it to somebody else, but in your heart you know you can't, mm. just do it.
0: hmm Yeah. Has it gotten any easier?
1: No, it never gets easier. Particularly if you're going to be delivering painful
0: news. Yeah.
1: But... Um, Uh, I think you owe it to yourself and the person that you're talking to to be direct about what it is.
0: When you know, you know. (laughs) You got to let them know. Yeah,
1: you know, it's It's true. true. It's true.
0: It is very true. Um, What was so? What was the journey from the national tours to Goodspeed? Did it happen? Well, like I say, no,
1: no, no, no. I was doing the touring. Then I came back, and then I was the company manager in the rink. And then when I stopped company managing and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, a friend of mine was doing a production up at the Goodspeed and he called me and he said, you know, they're really looking for somebody here right now. They're in a big transitional place and huh. you might be the right person for it. Are you interested? Yeah. I know you're not working right now and I said, "Yeah, check it out." Okay. And I really honestly thought I was going there for the summer and I stayed there for 20 years. No. Yeah.
0: <laughs> was it the views? <laughs> no, the it wasn't the views. It was the,
1: it was the work, honestly. Yeah. Um Uh, I went out there in 85, 1985. They just opened the Norma Terrace Theater. Beautiful theater. Beautiful theater, and uh, the intent was to program it with new work, all new musicals. Okay. Um, but there wasn't necessarily an infrastructure in place to support that. Mm. Um, it, you know, it's like with anything. If they'd actually sat down and looked at how hard it was going to be, they probably wouldn't have done it. So, um, <laughs> but I was there. It's so right, yeah. right place, right time. Okay. And I said, well, I'll do that. I mean, I was brought in kind of to to build up the production team. And uh, I had a myriad of titles because nothing ever actually suited me. <laughs> but I ultimately said, well, I'd like to take on this programming and, and right. start to figure out where these shows come from and how to put them on and and who's writing. And at that point in time, new musicals were kind of a rare beast. But because Goodspeed had a history of producing new musicals, Annie came from there, Shenandoah mm. came from there, Manila Mancha came from there. Um, uh, th- we, were, we were one of the few places at that time that was actually actively pursuing new musicals. It's a very different landscape now.
0: Yeah. What was that? I don't... Okay, so I'm, and I know all musicals come from different directions, but was there a, an order in which, or if, uh, I guess, I don't know, a standout story in your mind of how you were acquiring new material or how new material came to you or how you guys were choosing new material to work on there?
1: No, because it wasn't really a formula. You okay. know, um, I started to, because we're only a couple of hours outside of New York, um, I would come in a lot and go to readings and presentations. Um, uh, certainly some of the artists that we worked with on the main stage, the main stage was mostly revivals, but part of what made Goodspeed so special, would they would not just revive a show, they would re- think a show sometimes and Uh. particularly if the authors were still alive and invite them to be part of that conversation. So I worked with some really amazing people in this business and oftentimes a director would say, you know, I've been working on this new show. I wondered if you'd look at it. Or you know, so it, and it became over time developing those personal relationships as much as anything. And sometimes something would just come in over the transom that you'd uh-huh. read it and you go, "Wow, I don't know who this is, but wow, you know." Yeah. So it was it was a myriad of ways to find shows.
0: What are your What are your views on relationships in this industry?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> there's about twelve people in this business, and you 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 will keep running into them, right? Yeah. So Treat people well. Um, I guess that's my bottom line. It is a very small business, and uh, it is a business of um, passion. And uh, but it's but it is a business, you know. So it's it's a weird dichotomy, um, and it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But um, (laughs) you just do it, right? (laughs) Yeah. So relationships are hugely important, whether it's a collaboration. Yeah. Uh, of people putting together a new musical or whether it's um, uh, making that deal or, or you know, you could work with somebody and 20 years later you'd be working with them again of that you never in your wildest dreams thought you'd run across them again, and you do. Huh. And other people you see all the time, so.
0: that's Yeah, that is so true. Yeah. What was the cultivation of relationships with um, Kenny, Randy, Marlene, yourself, and the sure. creation of...
1: Oh, junkyard? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, t- after 20 years at the Goodspeed, I decided to leave. I like to say that they were going to throw me a party, and when they try to throw you a party, it's time to go. You've been there too long. <laughs> uh, and I felt like I, I had, you know, okay. another big adventure ahead of me, and I really didn't know what it was. Again, yeah. similar to my... I have a pattern. Every 20 years, I quit and try to figure it out. Um so I stopped uh, working at the, I, I, I told, I told uh, Michael and everybody at the Goodspeed I was gonna leave, but I, was, I gave him like six months notice, so I was still yeah. there for a long time. Um, Randy I knew because we were both on the board of the National Alliance for Musical Theater. Randy was running Theater Works in Palo Alto, okay. and they had a New Works uh, division there. They were developing a lot of new works. We had very similar tastes in terms of writers and projects spent a lot of time and and at that time when we were on the board at NAMPT, we were kind of you know really kind of some of the most vocal advocates for new work so we had a lot in common and um I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with these 20 years of experience and 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 relationships and so somebody asked me if I would put together a um a proposal for um a new works development program. And so I was working on it and I said, well, you know, development is fine, but in a vacuum, it's not effective. So it needs Mm. to be development. Then it needs to be production. And then it needs to be distribution. Yes. Pardon me. And then, so I'm putting this and talking about it. And Randy's one of the people I'm bouncing ideas off of. And ultimately the person who asked me to, to do this decided to go in another direction. But Randy said, you know, it's too bad. It's a great plan. Maybe we should do it. Mm. And I said, well, you have a job. And he said, well, you had a job. You quit your job. I qu-. And he just quit his job. He said, I, I'm ready. I'm ready for something new, too. Ah. So um, we decided we are going to start this company. And we didn't have any idea how we were going to uh, put it together. We didn't really know what it was going to be. We just knew we were going to try to focus on getting new musicals out into the into the marketplace. Not necessarily Broadway, but our years in in regional theater had taught us that there's a big appetite for new musicals all over the country. And there's a lot of different resources and felt like all it needed was people to sort of figure out how to aggregate those resources, right? Right. So that's what we were, we were talking about doing. And then uh, another friend of ours who was also on the board of NAMP said, well, this is all well and good, but how are you guys going to do this? And we were like, well, we're going to reach out to investors and try to figure out if we can come up with an investment pool of people who wanted to get behind us and get behind the idea of developing all these new shows and she introduced us to uh... kenny and marlene uh... because they're based in seattle they love musical theater she was from seattle it was Marilyn sheldon from the fifth avenue oh, and oh she knew kenny and marlene f- uh, because of their uh... philanthropic work in seattle and their real real connection to the fifth avenue and uh, She said, I got somebody I want you to meet. So we met. And um, we were at the time, Randy and I were were talking about wanting to do Memphis. So when um, we were getting ready to meet, uh, we said, why don't you take a look at the script we're interested in. And that script, Memphis, really struck a chord with Kenny. And, And he sat down and goes, you know, and we talked about it. And we decided ultimately, rather than them investing in the company, that they would become partners with us. So that's, that's how it worked. And okay. Randy and I are the managing partners. We're here based in New York, and we do the day-to-day. But Kenny and Marlene are very much a part. As they like to say, you know, it takes four, four legs for the dog, right? So <laughs> the dog's got four does. legs.
0: Oh, yeah. wow. What was the, okay, so Memphis. Mm-hmm. Did you find that, or did that find you?
1: Well, Memphis is a long story, again. <laughs> um, it was originally a brain, brainchild of a producer named George W. George. And um, George uh, was a producer, he produced several plays in the 60s and early 70s, and he got this idea to, d- to do a musical about um, Dewey Phillips. Mm. And so he would call my boss, Michael Price, at the Goodspeed all the time and go, I got a great idea for a musical. And Mike, <laughs> Michael would say, talk to Sue, she does all the new stuff. Yeah. And George would call me and go, George, it's not written, I can't do anything with you right uh. now. And so, you know, George went out, he hired Joe DiPietro, then eventually, he, uh, Joe found uh, David Bryan. Mm. Interestingly, I had been working on a separate musical with David Bryan. So I knew David, it was that, but this was gonna be his you know, first big musical, you know, David coming off of, uh, he's the keyboardist for Bon Jovi, right? So he'd mm-hmm. never written a musical. But mm-hmm. he thought, well, having my having my songs out there in a different way, he was excited about that. Yeah. So we talked about it. I every once in a while would go back and forth with George, and it was in its um, early phases. They did uh, a presentation of the show at a festival at in Palo Alto, and mm-hmm. um, by intermission of that presentation, Randy knew he wanted to do the show at Palo Alto, Mm -hmm. and also uh, John Kimball, who ran North Shore Music Theatre Festival, came up to them at intermission and said, i got to run for the plane, I can't stay for the second act, but I want to do your show. Mm -hmm. So we had this uh, trio of theaters that was interested in developing the show. Goodspeed ultimately dropped out of that development because of timing and scheduling, so it was a co-production between North Shore Music Theatre and Palo Alto. And uh, unfortunately, uh, they rushed it a little bit, did not get the recognition, but it had a massive audience response. Mm. So George ultimately uh, could not move the project forward, but Randy had done it at his theater. He saw the passion that Mm. the audience had for it. He worked with the guys. So when we started the company, we said, what was the show that never really got a chance that we both loved? And Memphis was right at the top of the list. Wow. And we went to the... To Joe and David and said, what's going on with the show? And they said, nothing. Funny you should ask. The rights are coming up. And we said, well, would you give them to us? And they said, sure. You know, I mean, it's one of those things. <laughs> it's like, like Just like that. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, we know you guys. Yeah. And, uh, and they gave us the rights. And we brought Chris Ashley in and Sergio. And that's how it happened.
0: It's electrifying. It's a crazy story. It is. But it is about go back to story.
1: relationships, go back to relationships. It's yeah. because we had that long history with the guys and, and and we also saw, you know, something in the show that we realized that it never really, you know, had given its opportunity. So,
0: I'm so glad you guys did because it's a beautiful show. It's a beautiful show. And it's smartly written. It yeah. does not, there's no, no point does it drag nope. ever. I mean, nope. it's just great. It's great. Nope. It's like yeah. buckle up and enjoy it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. How have you gotten better at asking questions or asking what for things? What kinds of questions? Well, I guess the real, qu- the real question I'm asking is how have you got better at asking, asking for things, asking for uh, people to you know give you the rights or for people um, to come in and join you on projects? or.
1: I, you know, I guess I, c- I guess I would say if I were going to, um. I, I guess you have to sort of Prepare yourself to be turned down, but also acknowledge that if you don't ask, you don't get.
0: Right? Very true.
1: Don't don't assume. I do this all the time. <laughs> I assume somebody's going to want to. I assume, and Me then too. I'm, <laughs> in the back of my head is my father <laughs> saying, "Don't assume anything. <laughs> Never assume anything." <laughs> right. And uh, uh, and so I have to remind myself that all the time. Yeah. Sometimes it's still hard to ask, especially if you think it's a big ask. Yeah. But if you don't ask, you don't get. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with asking and somebody saying, you know,
0: that's not going to happen. Mhm. That's a great point. Don't assume. Don't no, assume. don't. No, don't. I see I see it the same way. It's like, well, if I don't ask, it's a no, and if I ask, it could be a yes or a no. But yeah, exactly. But at least, exactly. yes but at no least you've asked. And you yeah. know,
1: and again, depending on what it is, and it, you know, if it's a real pie in the sky, you just careful about how you approach it, but Of course. if you you're asking for something, there's a reason behind it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yes. Um we're going to do a little jumping and sure. I really appreciate you sharing these in-depth stories. <laughs> I know, I really do. It's it's really it's beautiful. Um co- speaking of beautiful, come from away. Mhm. Gorgeous. Thank you. How, what does it mean to you? Is that it It's meant a beautiful to be.
1: show. I you know, it's a show I when we when we first saw Come From Away, we didn't actually know what its life was going to be. We just knew that we love the story we love the way the story was told we love the music we love the heartbeat of it um and what it's been turned into is this sort of crazy life you know if you'd asked just me if you'd asked me when i started out that i would feel like i had like a whole um family in newfoundland i would have told you you were crazy do you know but uh <laughs> i was just up in gander a couple of weeks ago and it was like coming home so it's really That's great
0: wonderful yeah that was um, meant to be? I guess. It would seem. I guess. It's such Things a Things happen point.
1: for a reason, even if you don't know what the reasons are. That
0: is so true. Yeah. Were you searching for that? Come from a Not necessarily.
1: Not necessarily. I think we were, we were just at the point where we were, we were ready to, to take something new on. Uh, we weren't quite sure what it was. We had a, a little bit of a relationship with David and Irene, the authors. We had met them. Um, a friend of mine called me and he said, "You know, my friend Jacks. I mean, it was like it was his uh, husband's daughter's cousin. I think that's I think that's the track is Irene Sankoff mm. and David and Irene had just done their show at Nymph, my mother's lesbian Jewish book and wedding. And uh, he said these kids just need some advice. Would you meet with them? And I said, of course." And so Randy and I met with them, and we had a great time. We told them to change the title. They said no. <laughs> we're like, okay, whatever, yeah, fine. <laughs> Still nice to, nice to chat with you. Yeah. We checked in with them, when we were in a Toronto with the tour of Memphis, and they were just going into rehearsal at Sheridan College with the workshop of Come From Away. Again, we're like, what is it about? Hmm, tricky title about 9-11. Good luck. <laughs> Have fun. Yeah. Didn't know any more about it until we saw it at NAMPT. And then we were like, Blown away by it, yeah.
0: Did you? I'm so curious if you recall uh, the opening number halfway through Act One, midway through Act Two. Was there a moment where you know, there's
1: right from the beginning you sort of felt it, yeah. You know that, and it, and you sort of, and then just the sort of charm of the people just came off the stage so directly, and so impactfully and there were moments where you wanted to cry and then you were laughing and there was just some, something about the the story and how they told it and you know a lot of people were really excited about the presentation in fact kenny mm-hmm. loves to tell a story that he was like the first one out of the theater and up the aisle to talk to david and irene <laughs> and say i want to be part of this you yeah. know so um we're so yeah but we also, um, again, like I say, we didn't know. We didn't scream Broadway to us. It just was a great piece of theater. Mm. And then, then, then we figured out the
0: path for it. I love that. I know theater is so, it's so collaborative. Mm. There's a lot of people at the table. Mm. Have you gotten better at, or how have you gotten better, at you know, pushing a point, letting a point go, you know, deciding the merit of a point that you think is important enough to share with the group?
1: Um, I think when we're putting a show together, we, we spend a lot of time with the creative team, not while they're doing their work, but while they're, when they, then when they've done some work and they want to bring it back, there's always, there's always a give and take there. There's, there's a conversation. Yeah. And so, and so, so it's, it's almost always a conversation and I've rarely been in a place where I wanted a change or something so badly that i was willing to say you have got to listen to me do you know what i mean (laughs) okay it was there have been moments where it's like you know this is making me uncomfortable or is there another way to look at this i really don't think we can do that guys you know but it's never been we we know it's never like an ultimatum it's always let's arrive at this together
0: yeah where does that come from for you that sense of we
1: i don't know i you know i've always been somebody who likes to build consensus. I think that's why I liked company management. That's mm-hmm. why I like musicals, because it's so collaborative. And I, I, I also always try, and I think I learned this from my dad, I always try to put myself in somebody else's shoes. He used to, he used to say this thing, of, oh, and I'll never forget, it. he goes, you reaches the level of the individual with whom you are speaking. And he was like so funny ah. because because he was um, he was uh, he was a colonel ah. in the National Guard, and he right. would often come home with these stories, very frustrating stories about some of his men and his people that he had to discipline and stuff like that. And he said he would always have to step back and try to figure out what was going on in their heads, right? And so yes. I uh, I th- that stuck in my brain, and I, I think about it all the time when I when so when I'm really up against something, I'm like, how are they feeling? What what is their motivation? What how, if I could get into their head, will I understand why they don't want to do this, they're acting out, right? whatever that is. Yeah. So I think that was a life lesson, and I, I, I turn it to my work.
0: That's so profound. It was profound. I don't think my dad thought he was
1: being profound. He was actually kind of like joking, but because he was put on the stupid (laughs) accent. But Uh. you know, uh, (laughs) but it was no, it it was something that really, really stuck with me, and uh, it is something that I practice almost every day. I mean,
0: that can really change Mm. the game of a conversation when you, when you, when it goes to that, to we. So you know what are you yeah, thinking? What are you yeah. feeling? Yeah, and
1: you know, look, we all have egos and we all have eyes, but you know, you try to you try to be a we when you can be.
0: Mm. How has your taste changed, grown, anything since you've entered producing?
1: Um, I think as a commercial producer, you just have to be a bit more selective. You know, when I was in the position of needing to program three, four new shows a year. I w- had a pretty broad um, uh, spectrum of what I was looking for. I was always looking for yeah. good stories. I was always looking for people who I thought wanted the same thing I wanted in terms of level of production and what right. we could bring to the table. When you get, and you're, you're, you're producing a show on Broadway and you're thinking about the years it takes to make it happen. Huh. And what you have to be able to put out there to sell eight to 12,000 tickets a day, uh, a week, <laughs> you know, a week. Yes. With no, such, you know, nothing. It's like, well, this has to be a story that's going to reach a lot of people. It has to be a story that's going to have an, a, an impact and emotional resonance. So, yeah. And I also have gotten to the place in my life that if it's not a positive message, I'm not interested. Hmm. Because I think we need as much positive as we can in this world. And that's I'd much rather be behind that and that's not to say anything negative about anybody else and what they choose to put out there because there's some tough stories out there that people are telling and good on them but i'm i'm always interested in something that ultimately is going to resonate in a positive way
0: yeah that's a really good point that's and it's it's so true um you know with the with the entities that you guys take on and the stories you tell and i Thank you for doing that because it's really it helps. I mean, I saw Come From Away. I don't know six months ago, and it was it. You just you feel like a better human.
1: That's right. Yeah. And you come out. And, you and all do I did something was something nice.
0: Yeah, you yeah. do Yeah. Yeah. It's like a pay it forward kind yeah. of situation. Not, you
1: know, I'm not Pollyanna. Believe me, I'm not <laughs> Pollyanna. But you know, I, 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 I think I think a little nice goes a long
0: way. <laughs> a little nice goes a very long way. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, is there? Any ad- I mean, there's maybe a ton, but any advice that comes to mind you would give, you know, new producers that are looking to enter <coughs> the space of theater?
1: Well, you know, I talk about this a lot with um, folks who are earlier in their career than I. And again, I say, you know, it's, it's there, there are places where you're just going to have to take the job, right? Yep. you got to take the job and you have to learn from it. But you're ultimately yeah. going to have an aesthetic core of things that excite you and that interest you and even with all the distractions of all the other things you have to do to make a living don't lose sight of that and find stories you want to tell and find people you're passionate about um, uh, uh, promoting and sponsoring Mm. and uh, because that's where ultimately your lifeblood's going to be and if you are going to get involved with a show and try to take it to the very end you're going to be with it for a very long time so you have to really love it
0: that's so true.
1: And don't. And again, it's. I, I have never succeeded with anything that I took on because I thought it was going to be a commercial success. I took it on because I loved it. Yeah. And then did my best to make it a commercial success. But um, uh, I don't look at something immediately as, oh, that's, ooh, that's a great idea to sell a lot of tickets. You yeah. I mean. <laughs> We're gonna make a lot of money, <laughs> We're make kid. A lot of money. <laughs> I'm going to be, I'm going to make a lot of money with this show. Never yeah. works. Never works.
0: Never works. Mm. That's really good. That's really good advice. What, um, is there a show that's taught you the most about yourself? Oh, the one that, golly. I, mean, I all don't have.
1: think so. Yeah. No, no. Okay. Not that, not that comes to mind immediately.
0: Okay. In life, what's most important to you?
1: Oh, my family.
0: Yeah.
1: My family. And, uh, and I'm also, uh, you know, that my work is really important to me. And that balance is something that I struggle with all the time. But bottom line, I, 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 uh, in my relationships are, are the most important thing. Of course.
0: Yeah. Are there changes you've made that have increased positivity and decreased negativity in your life? <laughs> um,
1: nothing I can immediately point to. I do think one of the things you have to learn is when to sort of step back and take a breather or when to walk away mm. and if something is not going w- the way you want it to I- if it's if it's making you unhappy, like truly unhappy, yeah, you should stop doing it. Do you yeah. know what i mean and uh, and and try to find things that make you want to um, get up in the morning
0: there's an interesting balance there if something's Always. making you unhappy and you should stop doing it but also it's making you unhappy and you know you should finish it anyway. Well, yeah, (laughs) but you know, I I don't know.
1: Sometimes I'm talking about, like, there are times I'm like, this has been the worst day. Nothing has gone right. You know what? I'm done. I'm leaving. Uh, I'm going home. Yeah, I'll be back tomorrow. You you know? You know, Or turn the computer off, you know, shut the door. I'm done. Uh, And sometimes it's as easy as, you know, I'm not dealing with this today because it's not going to fix itself in a way that I want it to fix itself. So it's not about... Putting things away because I'm procrastinating. It's putting oh. things away because I don't have a clear head about how I'm going to resolve it.
0: You need a night's sleep. Yeah. you need or something, it, or a removal from something. it to come back with a clear head. That makes that makes complete and total yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you have favorite books? Most gifted books? Any no. documentaries? No. Do you consume content? I do,
1: uh, <laughs> no, I am a popular culture void. First of all, I don't <laughs> watch television. Um, I watch movies on airplanes. Um, no i i do like to read but i read to escape you okay. know uh i read murder mysteries they're great um i was just listening to somebody yesterday they were talking about all the different biographies they had read and i was like i should do more of that you know i just should uh-huh. but you know there's only so much brain space yeah and and i don't necessarily like being connected all the time sometimes i i like to cook i'll go home and cook um it's great. Yeah.
0: Do you have rules for yourself with disconnecting, you know, from your phone, your tablet or anything? Mm, yes and not no. Not hard
1: and fast, but I try not to be stupid about it. Okay. You know? Yeah.
0: All right. It's yeah. great.
1: Take a walk. Don't take your phone, you know, because yeah. then you use your brain a little bit. Or, or how, do you, how, do you, how do you find those places where you're just thinking um, yeah. and coming up with ideas? I don't do that enough. I absolutely don't do that enough. I will acknowledge that. I'm always looking for something to do to stay busy. I uh, don't. I, I need to find ways to disconnect more than yeah. I do.
0: Yeah, that's a it's a ba- tricky balance, mm. especially in this city. I mean, when you're here, you're here. Yeah, yeah and
1: they're long days. You know, I was thinking about it. Like, you, you work all day in the office, then you, and you and I like to pop over to the theater, and then I'm you know I'm a Tony voter, so I have to see everything that comes <laughs> in, and then I would like to see yeah. other things. You know, yeah. And then I travel a lot, so it's not like I'm sitting around. Bored. i am never bored.
0: Yeah. It's difficult to be in this business. Bored. Bored.
1: Bored. But what you do, but sometimes if you're like, you've got 10 minutes rather than do something constructive, I'll sit there and go, Oh, maybe I'll look at my computer. It's like, no, just let that go. Just (laughs) stop doing that. Stop doing that. You're just like, all this stuff is assaulting you. Let it go. Let it go.
0: Let it. Yeah. Yeah. I love this. This is such (laughs) a great conversation. Thank you for sharing all this. Oh, Please. (laughs) Sue, this has been a, it's been a joy. Um, so usually I'm with like a billboard quote, you know, metaphorically speaking, Um, word or phrase, it -hmm. can be an advert. It can be anything that resonates.
1: Um, I don't know. Don't be afraid.
0: Don't be afraid.
1: Be kind. I'll come up with a few things.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, those are the the simplest ones. Sometimes if you really pay attention to it. Sometimes.
1: Be patient.
0: It's, be patient. Have you gotten better at that?
1: I try to be patient.
0: It's a daily practice?
1: It's a daily (laughs) practice.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. This has been great.
1: Well, thank you. I sort of blathered a bit.
0: No, I love it. (laughs) I love it. This is, I like these long, I love these long, longer conversations because it's more than just like, what's your favorite show? Next question. What's your favorite color? We can like,
1: you know, you're up. Well, you didn't ask me easy questions.
0: No. (laughs) I guess not.
1: <laughs> I like to think they're easy. No.
0: <laughs> well, thank you very much. Is there anything You're else you want to add before we hop no, off the air here? No, thank
1: you. No, all good.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Sue Frost. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another Curiosity Conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.